Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And that's exactly what's on the agenda for today. We will be recapping all the fights, all the action from UFC Mexico or UFC Mexico City, which went down this past weekend. It was a fun it was a fun card. Started well. It was, it was okay. It was probably been the best fight night of the year, which isn't saying too much about the fights that we've had this year. But nonetheless, it was lots of fun. So yes, we'll be ending our episode talking about that. It's probably the main piece of today's episode. Excited to talk about that. Going over some other UFC news. Going to be reviewing a TV show. Um, talking about the PFL a bit. Them versus Bellator. It was actually a pretty pretty eventful card. Talking about how well I did on Verdict. And uh, yeah. Gonna be a fun episode for today. Unfortunately, I haven't read the 48 Laws of Power since we last spoke. I've been very busy, and uh, law number 40 is a very, very long law. It's right around 12 pages, which might not seem like a lot, but nonetheless, that'll be saved for Thursday's episode. So stay tuned for that. But yes, for today, pretty much all we're gonna be talking about is UFC Mexico City. But um, other than that, you know, everything's been going pretty good. Getting on top of all my homework before spring break starts. Officially starts Friday for me. Runs from March, what would that be? March 1st until March 10th, I believe it is. We'll also be going to Chicago. Maybe we'll do an episode with the one and only Ryan Benecki. We got lots cooking here on the Surprise Jeb Podcast. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into all the business we're going to cover. Starting off with some new UFC news. I mean... Who doesn't love a little UFC news to get there? What is it? Tuesday started. I'm recording this Monday, but this will be dropping Tuesday morning. And the UFC was dropping some big announcements on the broadcast, majority of which pertain to two UFC pay-per-views. Those being UFC 303, 303, which will be going down June 29th at the T-Mobile Arena, and that will be International Fight Week. That is right. They always put on the biggest events in 2023. International Fight Week was UFC 290 between Volkanovski and Yair Rodriguez, which was the best pay-per-view of the year. In 2022, it was Adesanya versus Kanir, which on paper, that was UFC 276, on paper was supposed to be the biggest event of the year, kind of felt flat, but still nonetheless was huge. And 2021 was UFC... 264, which had Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Uh, so yes, you expect big fights going down at the end of June. Uh, the two, the rumored main events for that card are, of course, Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. Uh, I don't know if that's actually going to materialize, but we'll see. And the other one floating around is Driscus Duplessis, your middleweight champion, defending his belt against Israel Adesanya. I'll take either of those fights. Either of those fights are massive, um, especially to headline International Fight Week. I expect another title fight or two on that card, but very much excited for that coming in the summer. It is a bit, um, so June they're doing th- two UFC events, uh, June 1st or 2nd, I believe is UFC 302, which will be going down in Newark, New Jersey. Of course, May 4th is UFC 301, which is going down in Rio, so exciting stuff coming 
in regards to UFC pay-per-views. Also announces that, uh, as we already knew, the UFC was going to the Sphere in Las Vegas. That's right, that giant ball that lights up. Amazing arena for UFC Noche, UFC Independence Day in September, September 14th, I believe it is. But that event has actually been labeled UFC 306, so they're making that a pay-per-view in the Sphere on Mexican Independence Day. Holy cow, a massive, massive card. Expect a lot of Mexican fighters. As of right now, we don't really have any Mexican champs except Alexa Grasso, your women's flyweight champion. So we'll have to see who uh, who could potentially be headlining that. But that's not until September, and we got a long way to go. Other than that, uh, just two fights announced that I found they were pretty notable, um, especially that May 11th, Michael Johnson will be taking on Matt Frivola in the UFC lightweight division. And this is super fascinating because this event is actually rumored to be going down in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. Excited to be taking some fight nights on the road. I'm kind of sick of the Apex. We have, what is it? Out of May, we have three UFC Apex events, including one this weekend. In April, I think we already have three planned. I mean, it's just, it's getting out of control. So, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I should say, we are going to uh, St. Louis for this one. And Michael Johnson, who's coming off a big win over Darius Flowers earlier this year. Very impressive. Matt Frivola coming off of a loss to, um, was it Benoit St. Denis? I swear Matt Frivola lost to someone else since he got knocked out by Benoit St. Denis. But we'll see what happens. Fun turnaround for both these guys. Happy to see uh, that one going down it's a legend legends fight if you will also announced for may 18th which i believe is a ufc apex event jun young park will be taking on abus magomedov in the men's middleweight division both men on the edge of the rankings both men have been fighting highly highly touted contenders since they joined the ufc i believe in the last year last two years so that should be a fun one going down may 18th but other than that not too much not too much UFC news. The main stuff was what went down at UFC Mexico City. Other than that, kind of been melatonin in the world of the UFC realm. But um, we'll see what fights come about as uh, or before Thursday or whenever the fights get announced. Dana White's always dropping new fights. The UFCs in general is releasing new fights. Plenty of fun stuff to come in the future and I'll tell you what um what was super fun what was super fun and that was watching I believe it, I, I binge watched this over over kind of a Thursday to Saturday range and it's called on Apple TV and it is called Blackbird and this was an amazing mini series it was on Apple TV of course and it was absolutely absolutely amazing it's a true crime drama and it's called Blackbird and it's basically about this guy, and this guy named James Keene, who's played by Taron Egerton, Edgerton, amazing. He starred in the Kingsman movies. He was Elvis in the Elvis Bioptic, and been in a lot of stuff. He's an amazing actor. And he stars as this guy, James Keene, also known as Jimmy Keene. He goes by Jimmy throughout the whole movie. And Jimmy goes to jail for uh, drug and weapons conspiracies, or basically for trafficking them, if you will. And he faces a 10-year prison sentence without a chance for parole, which is very notable, getting that point across just to just to kind of uh, get, give you a perspective of how the stakes that he had for this mission. And um, given Jimmy's natural charm and charismatic personality, he has a gift for talking. He has this gift for uh, talk, just talking to people. And the FBI comes to him and offers him a chance to fully commute his sentence and go on a clean record with nothing to do with federal authorities anymore if he can get a serial killer to admit where he hid a body and admit to murdering a woman. 
That serial killer is played by Paul Walter Hauser, who for any of my, uh, what is it? Oh my gosh, what is it? Um, any of my Cobra Kai fans, he is Scorp or Stingray from the Cobra Kai series. Amazing character. Super, super funny. He plays this role amazing. He plays this character amazing. Larry Hall, who is a real serial killer and rapist who murdered 14 women, maybe more, up to 21. He's an absolute monster, still in jail to this day. And it was an incredible Incredible story, incredible TV series, very, very uh, suspenseful at times. I was really on the edge of my seat at times, very intense. It also stars Sapaya Moafi as Lauren McCauley, who's an FBI agent. She plays a very, very good role in this film, as well as Greg Ke Greg Keener. He plays Brian Miller, Greg Keener, a notable actor. You've seen him in things. I, I can't really recall what. He's just one of those actors. You're like, oh, yeah, I recognize him. He plays a police detective. Uh, who's investigating Larry's missing murder victims, and of course Ray Liotta in his final role, rest in peace, as he plays Big Jim Keen, James Keen, who is Jimmy's father. Very good role, very powerful, very amazing film, and I won't really, or it's not film, TV series, but six episodes on Apple TV+, Plus. I won't spoil anything that happens, but it is absolutely, absolutely amazing. The suspense is just just ridiculous, and it is, it is just sick. It is just sick what this serial killer Larry Hall did. Just just makes me sad. Just just makes me sad. And it received a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and 8.2 out of 10 based on 80 critic reviews on websites. The New York Times raved about it. I mean, The Hollywood Reporter raved about it. It got, um, it actually won Critics' Choice Awards. Um, Paul Walter Hauser, of course, who played the serial killer, won Best Supporting Actor in a Limited Series or Movie in 2023. Um, he won that. Uh, a lot of people were nominated. Uh, he also won Best Supporting Actor in a Series, Miniseries, or Television. Uh, Outstanding Cinematography for a Limited or Anthology Series was won by uh, Natalie Kingston, who, of course, uh, did the cinematography. And Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Limited or Anthology Series at the Emmys, Paul Walter Hauser won it. Absolutely amazing. This was on fire last year. And I can't believe I just discovered it. Saw a clip on TikTok, decided to check it out, and it was worth, so worth the watch. And it's actually pretty crazy because... Um, of the six episodes, three are directed by Michael R. R. Uh, Roxham. One's directed by Jim McKay, and the last two are directed by Joe Chappelle. So multiple episodes directed by different people found that very fascinating and how it ended up working out so well. I encourage everyone to check it out, and it's really, it's just, it is a wild, wild story. I mean, James Keene, Jimmy Keene, I should say, is living this life, high baller, having sex with women, trafficking drugs. He's got guns in the house. He's living the lavish life. And he gets busted, sent down to nothing in prison. But he's come to by the FBI for his skill to talk to people. And it ends up, uh, ends up paying off, if you will. Well, I'm not going to say much more, but very, very much worth the watch. Also, you don't know what else I've been watching? I've been watching The Bachelor. Okay, and let me just tell you, I'm definitely, definitely going to do a Bachelor review or something. I wish I would have started this earlier. I would have done every week I talk about The Bachelor, but this season is just just so goofy the the women on this show and just the the fact that joey the bachelor he's making out with all these chicks you know i feel like he says the same thing to each one he was actually the president of pike that's right the fraternity i mean this guy this guy is quite the character i cannot lie but man oh man good good times watching the bachelor i mean oh my goodness well uh i believe there's a new episode coming out tonight or monday it's actually airing right now i'll have to, I'll have to check that out I'll have to check that out. I hate to admit I'm a Bachelor fan, but such it's like bad TV. 
that's like so bad it's good because you're like I can't I can't believe I'm watching this. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for TV series at the moment. Just gotta find something new to watch or just read. It was so warm today actually. It was so warm. It was in the 60s. Went over to my buddy's house. We were talking on the porch for like three hours, just shooting the shooting the stuff and whatever and. Amazing times, just talking, and I'm so ready for the warm weather, I'm ready to get outside, Minnesota, of course, it's been chilly, it's been chilly, it's gonna be chilly for a while, but with spring break coming up, good things are a-coming, and let me just tell you, of warm weather, Saudi Arabia, the PFL versus Bellator was so, so good, if you will, if you will, I mean, I won't lie, I feel like a majority of UFC fighters would beat these PFL fighters, but for our predictions... For our predictions, especially on verdict, I went four and zero on the prelims. I correct, correctly predicted the round that um, and way that Aaron Pico would knock out Henry Corrales, which I found super super impressive. And on the main card, we went five and one on our picks and correctly predicted three of the fights we even placed in the top ten percent. Won a championship belt, absolutely on fire on verdict MMA. Follow me, ZR two thousand two, if you want to get your UFC picks and make some money. Because honestly, I should start betting. I do pretty good on my picks. I cannot lie. I cannot lie. I do pretty pretty good on my picks. As for the whole card as itself, well, uh, let's kind of go through it all. It was PFL versus Bellator. That was all the fights. Um, on the on the prelims, actually, you had Clarissa Shields defeating Kelsey DeSantis by split decision. Uh, Clarissa Shields, legendary boxer, now in the MMA sphere. Wasn't her most impressive performance, but still managed to get the win over the 1-2. and two. Kelsey DeSantis survived a nasty, nasty armbar. Happy to see her getting the W. Big Yo Ali Walsh defeated Emmanuel Palicio via split decision. Uh, Big Yo Ali Walsh, of course, the uh, great-grandson of Muhammad Ali, doing his thing, made his pro debut. Impressive stuff. Of course, I mentioned Aaron Pico defeating Henry Corrales. These two had fought in Bellator. Henry had beaten Arrow, Aaron Pico, and Aaron came out here, finished him with just this velocity, this veracity, just this intensity that just showed he he was ready. He was willing to be here. It was very impressive. Happy to see it, Aaron. And I'm interested to see what goes on in the whole PFL and Bellator sphere scene, if you will, overall. And there were so many stars out at this event. I mean, you had... You had, um, who was it? Mike Tyson was there. You had John Jones, Francis Ngannou. Of course, the winner of the main event got, gets to take on Francis Ngannou later in the year, which is a very weird reward, if you will. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think facing um, Francis Ngannou should be a reward you get. He's an absolute monster, but nonetheless, that was what was on tap. And the whole main card was Bellator versus PFL, and Bellator goes 5-1, winning five of the six fights. Uh, PFL had nothing to offer except in the main event. Let's talk about it. A.J. McKee, Clay Collard. A.J. McKee makes quick work of Clay Collard. A.J. McKee, by the way, former featherweight champion in the PFL. I mean, Bellator, only one loss. Clay Collard, PFL fighter, great boxer, fought in the UFC before. And A.J. McKee just took him down, submitted him in round one, minute and 10 seconds. It was like kind of like an arm bar, Kimura, arm triangle. It's kind of where he just put him in position, got him to tap, and that was that. Starting the main card off quick, AJ McKee, one of the best featherweights in the world. I would love to see him in the UFC. So talented. As for Clay Collard, just one of those guys clearly fighting someone higher level than him. Clay does well in the PFL scene, but against someone like AJ McKee, not going to get it done. Next fight up, I thought Tiago Santos would beat Yoel Romero. 
And I, because I thought Yoel was more washed than Tiago, and I stand corrected. Yoel Romero beats Tiago Santos by unanimous decision. Two former UFC title challengers are just old now. Yoel's almost 50. Tiago's almost 40. They are just, it's their, their time is over. Yoel just leg kicked Tiago, hit him from range. Tiago Santos just did nothing. Nothing in this fight. Yoel Romero got another W for uh for um bum, 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 uh the Bellator. Bellator PFL, the third string in the MMA scene. Of course, UFC's the A. Um the starters, your backups are gotta be one championship in Asia. They are absolutely massive over there. Oh my goodness, massive on that scene. And PL PFL and Bellator are kind of tied for that third place. Next up, my favorite pick, I predicted it on Verdict, which is what helped me place in the top 10%, Vadim Nemkov, former, um, former. Uh, I don't actually know if he's former, but the men's light heavyweight champion, taking on Bruno Capeloza of the PFL. And Vadim submitted him in round number two with a little arm trial action, put him to sleep. So, so impressive. I was I was absolutely loving this. I was absolutely loving this. Vadim Nenkov seemed like a savage, probably one of the best in the world, probably the best light heavyweight in the world. He would probably beat a majority of the UFC fighters. This guy is so, so talented. And Bruno Capelosa, we knew he struggled in the grappling realm. And yeah, just uh, just not the best performance from Bruno Capelosa. Stick to the PFL heavyweights, buddy. Don't uh, don't try and play with Vadim Nemkov. Next up, just another showing of what happens when you take a lower-level PFL fighter and a champion from Bellator. Jason Jackson, your PFL welterweight champion, just brutalizes Ray Cooper the third Round two TKO, 23 seconds in, and he did it with leg kicks. Freaking leg kicks. This was absolutely savage from Jason Jackson. I would love to see him in the welterweight division. I'm talking this guy could definitely hang with the majority of the top welterweights. I mean... I'm trying to think of a good matchup if we were to send these guys to the UFC. I'm actually going to say that afterwards. But yeah, Jason Jackson could take on a lot of these UFC guys and have amazing, amazing success. The co-main event, your undefeated 14-0 at the time, middleweight champion from Bellator, Johnny Eblen, trained with Sean Strickland, nasty guy, taking on Impa Consagana, your light heavyweight champion, from the PFL dropping down, and this was a competitive fight. This was a good fight, and Johnny Eblen pretty much won round one over Impa Consagana. Did enough, took him down, looking good in the striking. Round two, Impa Consagana comes out, drops Johnny Eblen, almost knocks him out multiple times. Johnny Eblen fights back, gets takedowns. Round three, Johnny Eblen shows he's the champ, takes down Impa, survives, and gets the split decision win. This just showed, I don't think anyone lost this fight. I don't think anyone lost. First off, Johnny Eblen remains undefeated. 15-0. Absolute killer. Impa Consagana showing that he has improved so much since getting knocked out by Joking Buckley in 2020 in the UFC. I mean, he has improved so much. He's become a champion. He's took an undefeated Bellator champion in a weight class lower to a split decision, which some people thought he won. This fight was amazing. It was so technical. It showed the grit. It showed the heart. And neither guy lost. Neither guy lost. I'd have said this should have been a draw just because I did did want to see either guy lose. Loved what I saw from these boys. Happy to see him. And I'm excited to actually say who I think they would match up well with in the UFC. Main event, I called it, I mean, Hennon Ferreira, your PFL uh, champion from this past season at heavyweight. Ryan Bader, your heavyweight champion from Bellator. Ryan Bader's 40. All right, Ryan Bader has been knocked out before. Hennon Ferreira wasted no time. 
TKOs him in 21 seconds, drops him with a nasty straight right, nasty straight right punch right across the chin. Ryan Bader goes down, a couple follow-ups from, from freaking Hennon Ferreira, and that was it. The 6-8 monster from Brazil, Hennon Ferreira, dismantles Ryan Bader. I mean, impressive stuff. He'll take on Francis Ngannou later in the year. I don't know how he's going to do against Francis. After seeing how Francis Ngannou get against Tyson Fury, I don't see anyone beating Francis Ngannou against someone like John Jones, if you will. I mean, he he looked good, but I don't know if he's going to beat Francis. Uh, that's all I can say for that, but impressive stuff from Hannah Farrow. Ryan Bader, might be time to call. You're 40, you've become a champion, you just, I I don't know. I don't know, Ferrer clocks him with a with a left hand. Uh, actually, it was a left hand, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it. I had my position, that must have been the camera angle. Um, yeah, Para now 13 and three, uh, Ryan Bader now 31 and eight. And yes, Hen and Farah will be taking on Francis Ngannou later in the year. As for Ryan Bader, probably retirement. That's, that's why I see in the future. Ipaconsagana, um, Johnny Eblen, Johnny Eblen, of course, 15 and 0 now. Um, if I could put Johnny Eblen against someone in the UFC, I mean, all I can think of is maybe Driscus Duplessis, uh, someone like that, someone like that he could match up really well with. Uh, the, 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 a lot of these guys are talented. A lot of these guys are talented, and I wish wish there was a video game where I could just match them up with UFC fighters. That would be super, super fun. As for Impican Sagana, I mean, I, I think he should stay in the PFL. I think he'll dominate in the PFL. If he came back against some of these UFC light heavyweights, he might he might struggle. But it's kind of hard because he lost the lower-level UFC talent, so it's kind of hard to picture him against other top top fighters in the UFC. I just think he's kind of a guy who will do have success outside of the UFC after, you know, out struggling in the UFC. But fun, fun stuff. As for Ray Cooper III and Jason Jackson, Ray Cooper III should retire. That boy is out of it. But Jason Jackson, the striking looked impressive. I, him versus Leon Edwards would be a good fight. Him versus Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns, Ian Gary. This guy is talented. He brings the intensity, brings the energy, and he brings that knockout power. How about a leg kick TKO? You rarely see that. You rarely see that. Jackson has now won eight straight fights and is 18-4. and four. So impressive. Vadim Nankov. I mean, what more do you want from this guy? This guy is so talented. 17-2 and two professionally. And him versus Magomed Ankalaev would be a dream fight of mine. Two excellent grapplers can also strike. I I, I love it. I love that fight. That would be an excellent fight. Yo Romero, of course, 16 and 7 now. I mean, just been at this game for so long. I think it's time to call it quits. These guys are not him and Tiago Santos are not gonna match up with AO in the UFC. That's that's just that's all I can say. AJ McKee, of course, 22 and 22 and 1. 22 wins, one loss in the men's featherweight division in the UFC. Someone like AJ McKee, I could see against Brian Ortega. Maybe Alexander Volkanovsky, Arnold Allen, someone, someone along those standards, I think would be really good for AJ McKee. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's all I can say in regards to that. A lot of fun fights on this PFL versus Bellator card. But at the same time, you know, who was paying for this? Who was paying for this? Some, I was seeing all my highlights on Twitter, on Instagram. I, I wasn't gonna pay for this. I mean, the UFC, these UFC pay-per-views aren't worth the money, okay? That's just, who has that money just be thrown around? Only rich people. It's, it's a shame. UFC is a rich man sport, especially the watch in person. The ticket prices are absolutely ridiculous. But nonetheless, the UFC fans always, always show out. And guess what? 
they showed out for UFC Mexico City, which was an absolutely amazing event. As as much as this is a fun episode for me in episode 69, I was trying to think of something maybe fun in like, you know, the se- sexual 69 regard. But th- there's just no need for that. There's no need for that vulgarity. And this is a pretty chill episode, you know. I'm I've been busy. I've been busy this past week. Well, we we got a lot of fun topics coming up. I mean, I'm trying not to do them all right now. Of course, we're going to be revisiting UFC 200 probably after spring break. I'm looking to do that on the March, I believe, 12th or 13th card, a month before UFC 300. Also going to be going over every single WrestleMania in the history of WWE. That's right. We're gearing up for WrestleMania season for WWE. Going to be talking about that um, as well. We're going to be talking about the greatest of all time in every UFC division on a future episode. Going over some other conspiracy theories, including something very fascinating I heard about called the Emerald Tablets, which are these ancient tablets which apparently tell about the creation of societies and civilizations in the world. Yeah, the Surprise Jet Podcast has a lot of fun stuff coming to you in the coming weeks. But yeah, as for now, Let's break down all the action from UFC Mexico City and talk about what's next for some of these fighters. First off, just want to say not too bad on predictions. We go 8 and 4, bringing our total up to 48 and 22 on the year. We go 3 and 2 on the main card. We go 5 and 2 on the prelims. One fight was canceled. That was Raul Rosas Jr., unfortunately, versus Ricky Tercios. Raul pulled out due to injury or wasn't allowed to compete or something, which really pissed Ricky Tercios off. There were rumors that matchup was going to go down this upcoming Saturday, but Ricky Tercios said those uh, rumors are not true, which I find very interesting, being that uh, I would be itching to fight again if my fight couldn't happen one week. Why don't do a little turnaround? Ricky Tercios is a bum, though, Raul. I hope you get better and that you continue to dominate. But um, yeah, that fight unfortunately got canceled, so we proceeded with a 12-fight card. And that actually was announced as right before the fight was about to happen, so that was very unfortunate news. But we kicked off the entire card with our first prelim, Muhammad Naimov versus Eric Silva. And this fight only lasted 44 seconds due to Eric Silva injuring his leg. It was very unfortunate. He almost got like caught in the cage, and he like pulled it out for a second, landed super weird, and after only freaking 44 seconds, I mean, Muhammad Naimov landed a takedown, okay, Eric Silva was able to get up, and then got hurt, so Muhammad Naimov gets a TKO in 44 seconds, round one, so I guess that's what it goes in as, so Muhammad Naimov gets his fifth knockout victory of his career, um, bringing his uh, total up to 11 and two professionally, now on a three-fight win streak, not how you want to be there, but Hey, it's what happens. Eric Silva now falls to 0-2 in the UFC, being finished in both fights. But yeah, Eric Silva will be back due to injury, and hopefully Muhammad Naimov is. Muhammad Naimov, promising featherweight. I was excited to see him fight, but you know what? He is from Tajikistan. Maybe we can get him on that Saudi Arabian card going down in June. So looking forward to that, but yeah. Unfortunate start tonight, and I'm sure I've just had some really weird fights to open up cards as the years begun, but that's what happens. Oh, well. Moving into our next bout, a flyweight matchup. I was pumped for this one between Victor Altamariano and Felipe Dos Santos. And let me just tell you straight up, this was striking versus grappling and striking one. Felipe Dos Santos wins a split decision over Victor Altamariano, and it was it was a competitive fight. 
Very competitive fight. Uh, totals from the fight, 40 significant strikes for Victor, 37 for Felipe. Total strikes, 52 for Victor, 62 for Felipe. 9 of 11 on takedowns for Victor for only 5 minutes of control time, my dad. So landing 9 takedowns, only gained a round of control time. That was the only round that Victor won on a two judges' scorecards. I just find that very, very fascinating. Round one, kicks off Victor, takes him down six freaking times. Felipe had to adjust. Felipe adjusts in round two, only gets taken down twice, outstrikes him by eight, wins the round number two. Round three, Felipe outstrikes him 23 to 21, gets taken down one of two attempts by uh, Victor, and Felipe is able to get his first UFC win. Very happy for Felipe Dos Santos. Good win for the kid. 8-1 and one now professionally, and his only loss is to Manel Cape in a fight of the night. I mean, are you kidding me? This guy will be a star in the flyweight division. Flyweights on display in this one. As for Victor, you know what? It's a tough one. It's a, that's all I can say. Tough loss for Victor. Now falls to 0-2, a little two-fight losing streak for him. But you know what? He'll be back. He'll be back. And Mexico started off the night with a loss from Victor. But we got the night going with our first finish as Ronaldo Rodriguez submits Dennis Bonder in round two with a rear naked chokehold. This, this got the Mexican crowd going. I predicted Ronaldo would win. Oh, yeah, by the way, Mohamed Naimov, we predicted round two sub. He won nonetheless. Felipe Dos Santos, we predicted a unanimous decision. It was a decision. Split nonetheless. And as for Ronaldo Rodriguez, we predicted a round one knockout. And uh, to, to my surprise, it was actually round two submission. So, yes, taking you through the fight, I mean, round one, Dennis Bonder, domination. 31 significant strikes to 14, 2 of 4 on takedowns. Gets almost two minutes of control time. Dennis Bonder wins round one. Round two, Dennis goes 2 of 2 on takedowns, but gets reversed. And Ronaldo Rodriguez slaps in a rear naked choke. And Dennis was forced to submit. So, yes, Ronaldo Rodriguez picking up his first UFC win. Amazing, amazing stuff from the debuting Ronaldo Rodriguez, the only debuting fighter on the entire card. Happy to see it from him. That was actually Ronaldo Rodriguez's fifth career submission. Impressive stuff. Improves the 17-2 and two for Lazy Boy. Amazing stuff. As for Dennis Bonder, not too good. He is now 0-3 in the UFC. Unfortunate for the Ukrainian, who debuted 14-2. and two. Yet to get uh yet to get a win. Very, very, very unfortunate. But happens to the best of us, I suppose. Next up, lightweight matchup. And look, I should have gone with him. Fair as I am, beats Claudio Puelas by split decision and another grappling fight. I mean, just so much grappling in this in this entire card. It was it was kind of annoying. It was kind of I mean, there's just there wasn't too much high levelness. But, you know, here's the totals from the fight for you. Thirty one significant strikes to four in favor of Fares I am. 58 total strikes to 17. Seven of 13 on takedowns for Claudio Puelas. Seven minutes, 14 seconds of control time. Fares I am, four and a half minutes of control time. And that was the name of the game. Clearly, Claudio Puelas cannot strike. Clearly, he cannot strike. And the round one submission was there. So many opportunities. Just did nothing with them. Fares I am, the France boy, picking up a big win in this one. I mean, round one, Fares I am. Outstrikes him, but gets taken down. Round two, Claudio Plus didn't land a single significant strike. 14 for fair, zero for Claudio. Um, and round three, Claudio did all right. Three of five on takedowns, but only threw two significant strikes. This is pretty embarrassing for the Prince of Peru, who after being on a five-fight win streak, is now on a two-fight losing streak. As for fair as I am, a little three-fight win streak for him, all by decision, but 
It doesn't hurt too much. I know he wants to fight in the summer. We can get him on a... He actually called out Dan Hooker. I don't necessarily know how good of a fight that is to move up that high in the rankings. But someone like Drew Dober at 15, Bobby Green win or lose against Jim Miller at 14 in the rankings. I would be happy to see Ferris DM get that, whether that be over the summer, even later in the year where I assume the UFC is going back to Paris in September. That's kind of they've done it the last two years. I assume they'll do it again. Good win for Ferris. We did predict Claudio Puelas by sub, but like I said, if he couldn't get him down, he wasn't going to win. And despite getting him down, still could not get the win. Next up, we got our second finish of the night as Edgar Cherez puts his rivalry with Daniels Lacerda to an end in the men's flyweight division with a 2 minute and 17 second triangle choke him. What do you know? What do you know? Daniel Lacerda will end his UFC career 0-5 with a no contest. Absolutely, absolutely embarrassing. I'm just saying this one, Daniel Lacerda landed a takedown, unfortunately wound up in Edgar Cerez's guard, and a triangle choke was slapped in, and it was a GG from there for Miojo, Daniel Lacerda. Daniel Miojo Lacerda, bye-bye. Bye-bye, Edgar Cerez wraps up his seventh career submission. Impressive stuff for Piero Cicciali, who improves to 11-5 with all of those wins coming by finish. And by the way, Daniel Lacerda, 11-6, all six of those losses coming by finish. Just, just unfortunate. Big win for Edgar here, picking up his first UFC win. Love to see it. Um, Edgar, of course, will remain in the UFC. Daniel Lacerda will be promptly cut. And, uh, you know what? With all these flyweights on this card, I would happily do Ronaldo Rodriguez versus Edgar Cerez. And this was Mexico's second win of the night. Um, very impressive stuff from Edgar. Getting it done. I thought he'd get a round two knockout. Wasn't the case, but nonetheless, got a victory. Very happy to see it. Congratulations, Edgar. Um, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit in this men's flyweight division. There's, there's just too many options. There's too many options in... By the way, we're going to be talking about title pictures in UFC 301 to end to after, at the end of this card we're talking about, and there's just there's a lot of things going on in this flyweight division. Happy to see guys like Edgar Cherez keeping the flyweight division afloat. Next up, another flyweight matchup and just another grappling fight. Another grappling fight, and might I add, of my two incorrect predictions on the prelims, both were split decisions, I do want to say, and of my four incorrect picks on the card, three were split decisions. Just want to kind of throw that out there. Jesus Aguilera of Mexico beats Matus Mendonca by split decision. And this was a, I don't really want to say controversial, but not a lot of people thought that Jesus Aguilera won, but... Totals from the fight for you. Jesus Aguilera, 19 significant strikes, 18 for Matus. So we had one more. Total strikes, 43 for Matus, 38 for Jesus, 5 more for Matus. 4 of 8 on takedowns for Matus Mendoca, 8 minutes, 44 seconds of control time. Jesus Aguilera, 1 of 4 on takedowns, 4 minutes and 51 seconds of control time. Round 1, Jesus Aguilera wins. 7 significant strikes to 1, 14 total strikes to 7. Did get taken down twice, but ended up being able to reverse it and get almost 3 minutes of control time. Almost the whole fight was fought on the map. Round 2, though, Matus comes back, gets almost 3 minutes of control time, outstrikes him significantly, 13-6, to 6, round 2 for Matus. Round 3 is where it gets tricky. Jesus outstruck him significantly, 6-4. to four. Total for Matus, 20-7. One of one on takedowns for four minutes of control time. I think it actually came down to round two when I think about it. But, it didn't, you know, if it, you needed to get a finish on this card to be definitive about who was going to win. I mean, we saw in all the decision fights on this card that it was, it was pretty much going to be split, two, two and one. 
Two judges one way, one the other. That happened multiple times. Matus Mendonca suffers his third straight UFC loss. He's now 0-3 in the UFC. Tough to see from the Brazilian man, but I don't know. Not much sympathy for you. I thought he won. I think a lot of other people thought he won, but again, just didn't do enough to win. Jesus Aguilera now on a two-fight win streak, 10-2 and now professionally. 2-1 in the UFC, not too shabby. He'll stick around. Um, you know what, Jesus, you already beat another Brazilian. How about you take on uh, Felipe Dos Santos? I don't know. No, no, it's easy to match up flyweights. It's easy to match up fighters in general when they fight on the same card, and they're not really, like, highly ranked. So you can kind of go, oh, he can just fight him, he can fight him. Is what it is. Final prelim of the night we had in the bantamweight division, and I thought Rione Barcelos would get a decision win, but that boy decided to lock up a submission as Rione Problema. Oh, Rione Barcelos beats Christian Problema Quinones with a round two rear naked chokehold. And actually, no, he didn't get a performance bonus. No, no sympathy for the prelim fires in this one. Actually, round three submission. My goodness. Um, Ryan Barcelos outstrikes him 43 to 29 significantly, 48 to 33 total. Each man landed two takedowns, but this is crazy. Rayoni, two of 12 on takedowns, only a minute of control time. Christian, two of seven on takedowns, three minutes, 13 seconds of control time. Just could not do anything with the takedowns. Rayoni, you know, outstruck him round one, outstruck him round two, outstruck him round three. Got the submission. Good win for Barcelos. Gets his third career submission. How about that? Very, very interesting. Rayoni improves to 18-5 and five and snaps a two-fight losing streak. He'll remain in the UFC, I assume, as for Christian Keonis. Suffers his second straight loss by rear naked chokehold. Is now 1-2 and two in the UFC. Hmm, tough to see where Christian Keonis goes from here, but I assume he'll, he'll stay in the UFC. You know, they need prelim fighters for UFC 306 in September. I'm sure they'll keep some of these guys around, but... What do I know? What do I know? I don't know too much. I'm just a UFC guy. Actually, I really should bet, guys. I really should bet. I feel, you know, I go 8-4 and four on my picks. Okay. Of those 8 correct, I'm sure the winnings would cancel out from the losers. If I threw 10 bucks on every fight, I mean, I feel like I've done pretty good this year. I've actually done amazing this year. I mean, we are now 48-22 and 22 on the year. Let's say we threw a dollar on every fight. I mean, I feel like canceling everything out, I'd be up. And I just need like one or two underdogs to hit. Let's end to the main card, though, because this is where the action heated up. I mean, some of these, a majority of these fights were good. Let's talk about the first one. Manuel freaking Torres. This guy's going to be a star in the men's lightweight division. Dominates Chris Duncan. Gets a two, a minute 46 second submission. Wow, under two minutes. A minute and 46 second. Rear naked choke for Manuel Torres. Gets a 50K bonus. Manuel Torres, are you kidding me? His seventh career submission, his sixth straight win. And that is now his 15th career victory. And he's 3-0 in the UFC. All wins coming in round number one. Back-to-back wins in under two minutes for him, too. Chris Duncan just couldn't do nothing. Even landed a quick takedown. No issue for Manuel. Gets the submission in. Dominant win. Chris Duncan having a little three-fight winning streak snapped here. But Manuel Torres is an absolute dog. And I don't say I want to throw him off the ranking super quick, but... I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. I mean, this guy looked like an absolute stud. Amazing on the mic. Just amazing, amazing stuff from Manuel Torres. The technicality, too. I mean, you know, took him down twice after getting taken down once. What more can you ask for? Got position, locked it in. Duncan had to tap. Torres, 14 finishes now of his 15 wins. Oh, my gosh. This guy's a killer. Absolute killer. Tough save us next from him, though. Tough save us next from him. A lot of options in this men's lightweight division, but... We'll see what happens. Moving on, women's strawweight matchup. 
Coming up next, your only women's fight of the whole card as Yasmin Jericho. I look to bounce back from her 22nd knockout loss to Denise Goas over the summer against Sam Sam Page Hughes. And guess what she did? Yasmin Jericho wins by unanimous decision. Outstrikes her significantly 94-83. Total strikes 97-88 in favor of Yasmin Jericho. Sam Hughes goes 0 of 6 on takedowns, which was definitely the big implication. Round one, Yasmin actually outstruck her. Um, Yasmin outstruck her. Actually, Yasmin outstruck her as we expected round one, but round two, Sam Hughes actually outstruck her. Um, round, round three, though, Yasmin turned it up, but just from watching the whole fight, you could tell Yasmin was in, winning every single round. I thought she'd get a knockout. Turns out she didn't, but nonetheless, getting her 11th straight win, which moves her now to 3-1 and one in the UFC. Good win for Yasmin. Mexico native, love to see it. Mexico was on absolute fire tonight. Was absolutely loving it. Good win for the women's strawweight. And you know what? You know what? I'm happy to throw it to the women's strawweight rankings. Uh, Michelle Warson Gomez. Why not? Carolina Kowalski. You know, have her fight these women. It's it's always it's when we got these fun young up and comers like this. I want to see them fight. Makes me happy to see. Next up, our fight of the night might be fight of the year contender as Daniel Zaluber batters Francisco Prado's face into oblivion, getting the win here. Impressive stuff from Golden Boy Daniel Zaluber. His third straight victory, 15-1 and now professionally, and a 50K fight of the night bonus. Absolutely amazing. Francisco Prado now moves to 1-2 and two in the UFC, suffers his second career loss, but nothing to, nothing to be ashamed of here. Just got beat up. Just got beat up, showed his grit, got out significantly struck, 120 to 90. Same for total strikes. No man attempted to take down. I mean, these two just struck and struck. Francisco Prado actually probably won round one, 29-27, outstruck him. Round two, though, Daniels Luber turns up 50 to 32 for significant strikes. Round three, even even gooder, better, <laughs> gooder. 43 to 29. Francisco Prado's face was beat bloody. It was kind of a brutal sight. And Rick Winter actually gave out a 10-8 for the round number two in favor of Golden Boy Daniel Zaluber. Look out, lightweight division. Another killer coming from Mexico. I mean, Mango Torres and Daniel Zaluber using this chance to get, to get a good win. Amazing stuff. Both are young. Both are talented. Mexico, two studs here. And Zaluber will definitely be back. For another Mexican card later in the year, even over the summer. Get this guy some action. I love to see it. Alrighty. Let's get into uh let's get into the goodness of things. The goodness of things. The best two fights to end the night, if you will, between Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez in the co main event. And this one this one was unfortunate. First off, good win for Brian Ortega. Good win for Brian Ortega. I'm not a Brian Ortega hater. N- none so ever, not so ever, but Yair Rodriguez has no grappling ability whatsoever. At all. Almost knocks out Brian Ortega in round number one. 10 eights him in round one, if you will. I mean, round one, one knocked. Yair dropped Brian Ortega, outstrikes him significantly 45 to 6, total strikes 50 to 7, and Brian Ortega still managed to get a takedown in 42 seconds of control time. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Round two, Yair's doing better on the feet. Ortega lands a takedown and controls him for almost four minutes, outstriking him 22 to 9 significantly. Crazy comeback for Brian Ortega. Might have 10 aided him. Round three, the Ireland one big punch. Ortega goes for the takedown, takes his back, and in 50 se- 58 seconds, 
into round number two. I mean, round number three gets an arm triangle finish, kind of from behind, very awkward angle. And he actually, um, he actually mentioned his ears popped, like uh, as like he was getting introduced. He also rolled his ankle getting introduced. Everyone thought he broke it. Um, so he couldn't really hear well. So when uh, Yair was tapping, Mark Goddard was telling him to get off, and he couldn't really hear, so it kind of lasted a while. And Mark Goddard looked all angry, chasing him, but Brad Ortega was like, oh, no, no, please, I'm so sorry. Pretty comical image, but good win for Brian Ortega. Excellent bounce-back win, getting his eighth career submission victory. Impressive that snaps a two-fight losing streak, and it is his first win since October of 2020, his first finish since March of 2018, first submission since December of 2017. Been a long time coming. For Brian Ortega, he had his ex-girlfriend Tracy Cortez in the crowd. You know he couldn't lose in front of her. He had to show her how, uh, I don't even know how these boys do it. I mean, Brian Ortega, an absolute gem. There, though. What happened, man? Oh, my round one knockout pick almost landed. It was right there. So close, and yet completely, completely stamina dumped, got taken down. Unreal. Yair Rodriguez, two-fight losing streak now, has been finished in round three in back-to-back -back fights. Embarrassing. So, yeah, Yair Rodriguez will fall to the number four spot in the rankings. Actually, Yair Rodriguez will probably fall to the number five spot in the featherweight rankings. Let's bump Mosvarevov up to four, Brian Ortega up to three, and the real question is what's next for these two gentlemen? What is next, you know, Ortega's 33, Yair's 31. Um, Ortega's already lost to Volk, already lost to Max Holloway. Yair has already lost to Volk. Okay, just fought Josh Emmett. I think they need to fight up and covers. I think Brian Ortega, Mozart Evlov, title eliminator is the fight to make. As for Yair, I want to see him fight someone like number six ranked Arnold Allen. The winner of Calvin Cater and Aljamain Sterling at the UFC 300 fight. I would even do Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez. I like a lot of those options right there. Um, but Brian Ortega really surprised me. I will say they both look kind of washed. I think that's my big analysis is that Yair can't grapple. Brian Ortega can't strike. I truly believe that Yair, if he were to take on Mosfar, will get grappled to death. If Brian Ortega takes on Iatopira, he will get some knocked out in round number one. So let's match up Yair against fellow striker. And oh, he already fought Josh Emmett, I should say. So yeah, if Calvin Cater wins, that's a fun fight. Arnold Allen's also a good striking matchup. And Brian Ortega versus uh, Mosvarevov, a striking battle. I think it solves a lot of people's issues. I think those are the next fights to make. Happy for both these. Uh, happy to see where both these guys go. And actually, Brian Ortega was so respectful. He asked the Mark Guard not to raise his hand out of respect for Air since he's lost in his home nation of Mexico. Just a really showed nice change. I mean, Brian Ortega really showed some maturity here. I was happy to see it. Decent co-main event, crazy comeback, and Brian Ortega gets a 50k bonus of the night. A little performance bonus for Brian T. City Ortega. Main event. Up next was Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval, and I don't really want to call it the worst option possible. I don't really know what to say about this fight, but Brandon Royval wins by split decision over Brandon Moreno, and no one really won. No one really won. It was just it was a competitive fight, if you will, but I mean, not much happened. Not much happened. Moreno just couldn't really get going on the feet. Couldn't really go in and get going and grappling. Brandon Royval, I feel like, should have been knocked out at times. I mean. I have no idea. First, totals from the fight. 145 significant strikes to 112 in favor of Brandon Royval. Total strikes, 177 to 119. Brandon Royval also threw 556 total strikes, 510 significant strikes. Only landed at 28% rate. I mean, this guy's volume is off the charts. 556 total strikes thrown. 
insane. Even just to move your fist, just kind of just pound the air a bit. Okay, do that 500 times. Now imagine actually throwing full force, trying to connect with someone, actually connecting with someone. Insane volume from Brandon Ray Valen. Volume beat, um, volume beat power, if you will, because Brandon Reyna was throwing more power shots. Okay, Roy Val's Roy Val's intensity just could not be denied. Of course, three takedowns from Reyna, one for Roy Val. Not even three minutes of control time for Brandon Reyna. Not even 30 seconds of control time for Brandon Roy Val. Round one, Brandon Moreno casually outstrikes him, wins round one. Round two, Brandon Moreno casually outstrikes him, lands a takedown. Round three, though, Brandon Royval did get taken down twice, but was able to get up, outstruck him 25 to 17, round three to Royval. Round four, Brandon Royval heavily outstrikes him, 60 to 29 total, 49 to 29 significantly. Round five, Royval showed some more pressure, 41 to 29 significantly, 57 to 36 um, total and through 162 total strikes. So Brandon Rival will get his uh, well, get his first win since April of 2023. Rebounds from his December championship loss to Alexander Pantoa. Gets the dub, 16th career victory for him, and avenges his loss to Brandon Reveno, Moreno from 2020. But I'll say, you know, he was talking about getting a rematch against Alexander Pantoa. There's just no need to make that fight. He just lost convincingly in December. I mean, he lost all five rounds. Unless you're being a generous generous guy with the volume. He lost all five rounds to Alexander Pantoa, and he wants to get back in there with him, and especially at UFC Brazil in the main event at UFC 301. I don't see that happening. I do not see that happening. As for Brandon Moreno, I don't want to say he looked washed, but he certainly looked a step back. Um, this is actually Brandon Moreno's second straight loss, bringing him to two and three in the in the last two years, two and three in his last five fights. Be it that is a split decision, I mean, not too bad, but it's still unfortunate. So, what's next for these guys? It's tough to say because I mean, Royval is now going to be the number one contender in the division, despite losing to Alexander Mentoa. We don't really want to see a rematch, but we there's just no way Alex Barrett can turn around after fighting Jamal Hill and main event UFC 301. That would be insane. Depends if he even gets cleared to do so. We'll see what occurs, but Alex Pantoa could potentially be the main event or co-main event for UFC 301 in Rio de Janeiro, Rio de Janeiro Brazil um, and May 4th at UFC 301. I mean, and who could he fight? He's got a couple options. First off, I mean, could be could be number six ranked Manel Cape. You could just give him that fight. Could be Mohamed Mokayev if he beats Alex Perez this upcoming weekend. Okay. Also, could be Brandon Royval. They could just go with Brandon Royval. All right. They could also give it to number two ranked Amir Albazi. That could be an option. Other options. I mean, you could have Brandon Royval fight Amir Albazi. You could have Brandon Moreno fight Amir Albazi. There's been talk that Henry Cejudo could fight Brandon Moreno. I mean, there's just unlimited options. But if I'm the matchmaker, if Dana White says, Zach, you tell everyone what to do, I'm having Alexander Pantoa. Defend the belt against Manel Cape just to do it. Manel Cape is a name. All right. He talks a lot. He can sell a fight. They, this is a rematch from Manel Cape's UFC debut. Do that. Have Brandon Moreno fight the winner of Muhammad Mokayev and Alex Perez. Hopefully being Muhammad Mokayev. Have him do that. All right. It's a big step up for Muhammad Mokayev and can show if he's championship level. Have Amir Albazi and Brandon Royval fight. And the winner of that can get the next title shot. It only seems fair. That, that, that is the fairest option that I think I've seen. I think that should be what we do. So, yes, Alexander Pantoa versus Manel Cape, co-main event, UFC 301. Let's find another fight to main event over that. Brandon Moreno versus Mohamed Mokayev. Make it a fight night over the summer. Amir Albazi versus Brandon Royval. Make that a fight night over the summer. Do those fights. I think that is what you do. 
Featherweight picture, let's just clear it all up. Yair Rodriguez just lost. Let's have him fight Arnold Allen. All right, striking battle. Do it in Manchester over the summer. Brian Ortega, Mosvar Evlov, fight night. Let's do it. It can even be on a pay-per-view later in the year. Winner gets a title shot. Everyone's happy. Shout out to shout out to everyone who's happy. Let's do that. But yeah, decent pay-per-view. Um, not pay-per-view. Decent fight night, I should say. Uh, I'd say of all the fights of the twelve fights we witnessed, there were, I'll say, you know, obviously all finishes usually get thumbs up, but. You know, I'm honestly going to say one, two, three, four, maybe only four of the fights are notable of rewatching again. I mean, I've seen stronger Mexico cards. I've also seen worse Mexico cards. There's actually a fight that broke out in the crowd, which I find absolutely insane. There's a fight in the crowd. Absolutely crazy. Um, and Dana White, they asked him about it. They're like, hey, what do you think about the fight that's going on in the crowd? He's like, is that not good publicity? The reporter's like, oh, it seems like a bad image for the UFC. And Dana White, Dana White was like, no, it's not. I could care less who's fighting in the crowd. I love Dana's unbothered energy that he just brings. It's hilarious to me. But, yeah, it gets a 6 out of 10 for me. Not the best. It's the best fight night of the year, which should be saying a lot. It's also the first fight night we haven't had at the Apex. So, there's that. Next weekend, of course, we will be going to the UFC Apex for uh, UFC Fight Night. Uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus Shamil Gaziev. And this is a good fight night card. This is a good fight night card, ladies and gentlemen. I think a lot of people are sleeping on this card. It's got some uh, just some low-key bangers that you're going to want to check out. Going to the card itself. I mean, ranked flyweights, Matt Schnell and Steve Ersig. Steve Ersig, 2-0 in the UFC. Uh, what's his face? Matt Schnell never really in a boring fight. His fights are always entertaining. Don't miss that one. Also on there, Umar Namagomedov, the 16-0 cousin of Khabib, will take on the 17-1 Tajikistan Belzat Almakan. That's going to be a crazy fight. No one would fight Umar. He gets some random guy making his debut. Alex Perez, Mohamed Mokayev, top 10 men's flyweights, title shots on the line for Mokayev, potentially, or potentially a top three guy. Don't want to miss that. Co-main event, Tyson Pedro is coming off a nasty round one knockout of Anton Trakaljic, and since returning to the UFC, all three of his wins have come in round one, takes on the undefeated 10-0 light heavyweight Vitor Petrino, who's coming off a nasty round two knockout of Modestus Bukakis back in November. That's going to be a fun one. And then the main event, heavyweight knockout artist between Jarzinho, Biggie Boy Rosenstruck, and Shamil Gaziev. This one's going to be a banger. Shamil, second UFC fight. Second UFC fight is making his main event against the number, where is Jarzinho up to now? The number 12 men's men's heavyweight. Amazing stuff. Don't want to miss that. Full breakdown coming this Thursday. Cannot wait to talk about these fights. They're going to they're gonna be some fun ones um, before that. Got a lot of homework to bang out, ladies and gentlemen. Got a got a lot to do. I can't lie. For accounting, have some homework to do. Class on Wednesday for professional selling. I mean, professional selling. I've got this huge mock sales thing that I have to get wrapped up throughout the month of March. I have to start working on it. Actually, should probably start getting that going. I'm actually gonna be selling. Uh, what is it? The uh, an hydration drink. The uh, what, what was the what was the hydration drink I kept talking about before? I kept trying to tagging them to get a sponsor. I can't even hoist. I'm gonna be selling hoist to the UFC to become its new drink sponsor. Gonna be fun. My uh, professor acts like the board or whatever. He's gonna act like Dana White, not actually, but as I pitch an idea or whatever, I do a sales presentation. That's kind of fun. I should get a jump on that. My business ethics class. Let me just tell y'all. I mean, I have a midterm essay due March 10th. 
haven't even looked at it because the, the professor hasn't said anything about it. I understand it's an online class, and I got to look at stuff myself, and I'm kind of like, okay, you haven't told me anything about it, so I got to get after that this week. I also have a full other set of business ethics quiz, paper to uh, reflection, two-page paper to write, a discussion post, responded to discussion post, a lot of fun stuff there. Consumer behavior, I have a group project that I have to do. I have a discussion post to write. I have a exam to take, crazy stuff there. International business, I have to take notes for a class and work on an assignment. It's just, it never keeps ending, you know, but these are the best times of my life. I love college. It's such a good time. Amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah, that's a bit about what I got on the agenda. Of course, I've mentioned in the future we have a lot more surprise topics coming. Guess it's really tough on my schedule. You know, as much as I feel like I have free time, I mean, once the free time hits, it's like 7, 8, 9, 10 at night. And I'm like, okay, I still got to eat. Then I kind of want to chill. I don't know. Every, everything's about balance in life. Everything's about balance. You want to work hard, you got to play hard. Do do want to get some side hustles going to make some money. Let me just tell you. I mean, I, the, the bank account, it's not awful, but it's not amazing. And there's there's definitely opportunities out there to make a quick dollar. I just got to find it. I got to figure out how to make some revenue. I'm trying to get rich, baby. I'm trying to make some money, provide for the people around me, and just have a good time. But, yeah, that's all we got, that's all we got for today's episode and not too much. Probably would have been a bit longer had I actually read Law 40, but Law 40 was so much, and I am I was super tired the other night, and I was like, I don't really want to read this super tired. I actually want to zone in and obtain, obtain the law itself because it discusses money and about it and being aware of people that use it for power and greed, but... There's that UFC schedule the rest of the way out until April 13th, of course. You Jardino Rosenstruck, Shamil Gaziyev this upcoming weekend, leaning Shamil Gaziyev. March 9th, UFC 299. I'll be watching it with my cousin in Chicago. Absolutely massive. Cannot wait to cover that. Sean O'Malley, Marlon Vera, the rematch. Definitely going with Sean O'Malley as of the moment. March 16th, we're back at the UFC Apex for Tai Tuivasa versus Marcin Tibera, two top 15 men's heavyweights. Definitely going with Tai Tuivasa, knockout artist. After that, we go back to the Apex. March 23rd, Amanda Hibas versus Rose Namajunas. Probably going Rose Namajunas, but I could care less about that card. Um, Aaron Blanchfield, Man of Yorat, that's a good woman's fight. March 30th in Atlantic City, New Jersey, a title shot is on the line. Also get Joaquin Buckley, Vicente Luque on that card, pump for that. April 6th, back at the Apex, Marvin Vittori, Brendan Allen, big uh, middleweight matchup at the Apex, but... I do rock with both those guys, so that should be exciting. And then UFC 300, April 13th. I'm so pumped for that card. Alex Behera, Jamal Hill, leading Alex Behera. As of right now, I'm actually, I might go play some bets. I might go down to Iowa with one of my buddies, and we might play some bets for UFC 300. I might as well. I might as well. I mean, like I said, 48 and 22 on the year. I should do some math, see how, see if I can make a quick profit off of some of these. If, if not, as long as we're having fun. As long as we're having fun, but I won't delay. I won't delay the outro anymore. It's rare. I haven't had a sub-hour episode in so long. Back to our early days of the podcast. But yes, that's all I got for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing week. Make this the best week of your life. The weather may be chilly, but let's remember we're all hot. I don't know that. Hot and steamy. Episode 69. Ladies and gentlemen, I will catch you next time on the Surprise Jab Podcast.